Wait, someone actually read the notes. Okay. So, that's. I, yep. I, I, I read the notes. This I always read the notes. I don't always contribute, unfortunately. But I, I read the them. first line and I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> okay, but, you know, every episode that Warner's on starts off with a rant about something. Um, okay, so I'll just shut I, up I, now and let you guys rant. Okay. I mean, no, no, it's going to happen rant, at some point. Away. But maybe, maybe we should start <laughs> with, a, with a. No, you know what? Screw it. Let's start with a rant. Go, begin. Begin. Right I'm going to drink wine. You begin. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Italo and you're listening to the Critical Channel Podcast. The show that talks about engineering, culture, and product for people who love technology. Today, we're talking about product versus tech with Kieran Patel, Maxine Kravitz, Warner Bukoy, and Pedro Carvalho. We'll discuss how product and tech can collaborate together. A little disclaimer for today's episode. Some of us were actually out of our normal setup. The audio quality is not exactly up to our standards, and we do apologize for that. We will be back to our normal setup in the next episode. I hope you enjoy the show. <sighs> I actually don't want to run today. Like, the only thing I can say is that it's a delicate balance between product and tech. <laughs> no, uh, no kidding. But actually, I think something which is always kind of interesting, like when I look at a whole bunch of project projects that I've worked on, and products that I've worked on, I'm never, I'm always getting confused by by people. Like, I'm not sure how you guys have this, but it's always like, you have a project manager, but you also have a product manager, and then you have the product owner, and you have the product, what is it, stakeholder, and you have the product nexi minexi and then somehow the product owner, or the product person, or the product CPO, or what the hell is a CPO in any case? Like, it's a chief product officer, but well, how can you have a, a product officer? Is, yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, we we can we can talk about the distinctions between all of these roles. That's as interesting as talking about the distinction between what's a backend developer and what's an SRE or what's a systems administrator. Um, DevOps engineer. There it is. That doesn't exist. There it is. It's similar to that, though. It's similar to that, isn't it? Because it's like, okay, you have these very slight distinctions between these different flavors of the same thing that make sense if you're in the field, but it doesn't make sense for somebody who's just looking from the outside. Like, what's an SRE? Oh, it's a developer who also understands systems administration, I guess, and cares about metrics and performance, but it's a developer. So why not just call them a developer? Well, there's a bunch of reasons, but they mostly make sense to us and not necessarily to someone who is like, let's say, in product or in design or in sales. I think it's the same thing when you talk about project managers and product managers and program technical program managers and um, group pro- program managers. And all those distinctions can sound very esoteric and minute to, to, to people from the outside, but they all have a reason to be there. I guess the main question, or, or okay, let's uh, let's put it another way. Like for me, t- today's topic about product is is is, is twofold. One is, um, you know, how does product development um, 
you know, work with developers and in, in terms of like how how much of product development is technology versus how much of it is business, let's say. Um, why don't developers do more of that? Um, what's the status quo? What leads to that? And uh, how do we arrive at a situation where there's an us versus them mentality when you have people who are, you know, bunny ears, product people, uh, kind of at odds against tech people? Um, because we find that situation, you know, all the time in, in tech companies and sort of what What's the problem with that, and, and, and what can we do better? Like, I think I think that's what, what I would love to get out of this conversation from from all of us. Um, but I think that we can all have slightly different expectations from from the conversation as well. And I would be curious to hear what you all are hoping to get from this today. Throw the product out. <laughs> okay, that's possible, right? Like, okay, okay. On that note, I think it's interesting that you know we're all in Europe right now, and there is a definite status quo of having like product people versus engineers. But I was uh, a solution architect for a while, as you know, and I spent some time working with 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 more like startup kind of companies in in, in Bay Area, and they, broadly speaking, had less prominent product roles or rather there was more stuff that was owned by developers and oh, that's uh, less stuff that was formally owned by by product people um kieran what do you mean no i mean i'd love to unpick the the culture that comes with that i'm not sure like i i've already written down in in our notes that i'm still amazed that everybody's read that's still blown my mind uh but i've already written down that like we have an inherent bias because we're all we're all quote unquote tech people and not from, you know, another area of the business. Um, so we already have an inherent bias there, but now you've just pointed out that we have an inherent bias as Europeans. Um, that's nuts. That's the, I, I know nothing about this. I cannot contribute to this conversation, but that just, that blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually not surprised. I mean, it's like, it's like, like in, yeah, I mean, it, it, it might just be the kind of companies that I happened to to work with, right? Uh, I also don't really know. I haven't worked with everybody, but I've definitely heard from others and read some 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 writings that point in the, in, in that direction. And 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 like, I, it makes sense to me. Like coming from Portugal, for instance, you know, like uh, eight eight ten years ago when I was a developer in Portugal. It was an exaggerated version, I think, of what we're seeing now in Berlin, which is there's a super clear distinction between who gets to think about products and the code monkeys who don't even need to bother with anything, just have to you know, follow specifications and implement mm -hmm. them to the satisfaction of the requirements. So it's easy for me to conceive of, of there being you know, cultural differences between different regions, especially regions as far apart as you know, Central Europe and the West Coast of the U.S. Um, but to me, that's fascinating because it's like, I, I think that when developers are empowered and interested, crucially interested in the product that they're building and, and their development, it's super powerful because your bandwidth is just so much higher, right? You have the people who are building the thing thinking about the thing you are mm -hmm. kind of cutting out a little bit the middleman there. Like product people still exist so, for sure, but I think they're doing more like the bigger picture kind of kind of kind of work. So I'm 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 always unsure what product 
people like honestly I'm unsure what they sometimes do uh, like I've worked with with different a lot of different pr people who say they're product or project manager owner whatever they want to call themselves uh, I'm always very unclear what what their goal is because if I look at like the things which I've seen to be very effective is things like where you have developers and domain experts and people actually use your customers for example sitting in a meeting doing either event storming or another kind of business process workflow where they actually listen to the problems they talk with each other like that is the best teams which i've seen the most productive ones the people who actually solve the actual problems that the customer has the thing which i don't have seen the least work is this thing where you have this magical product owner who's writing the tickets who's then telling you how to well, if you're lucky, they're not telling you how to solve the problem, but often they tell you in the ticket how to solve the problem instead of actually giving you a problem to solve. And with preferably without giving you any context about it. So I'm, I'm honestly, this is for me always the question, like what is this product thing? Like, is it just the person who's supposed to index the help desk tickets that came in with questions? Or is it the person who's supposed to do the product discovery where they really go in like, okay, where can we go in the future? And 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 how do we how do you actually get the developers also at least partially involved with that conversation? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think we should Okay, can but we can we start with like <laughs> making a clear distinction in between project managers and product people as a whole? I think project yeah. manager is like they I, they stand I think that's out already and they're reductive. Right, you say product people, and actually, like at the beginning, Pedro said something that I'm sure he read off off my notes, but he said the the word business, as in like there are, there's the tech team, and then there's business, and this this is such a peppy. Right. Yeah. No. No. Like, no. No. What? What? <laughs> I I want distinction to be made, so we would not mix project management and product sure. work into one Can big I... bucket because these are very different kinds of work and mm -hmm. i think even from like uh, listening to what warners is saying for me it's hard to figure out whether he's frustrated with how the project has been managed or how product people work together with engineering from what i hear it sounds like these two uh ideas are conflated or not ideas these two positions are either were conflated into one or there is no, from the tech point of view, there is no clear distinction and people keep interchangeably using these terms. And I think, people do I think interchangeably I, use them. Which they is, do, yeah. Which I think what, they what shouldn't. Which is a really big problem. <laughs> yeah, which I think they it's, shouldn't. My, my, my understanding of this, and whenever this conversation comes up, what I always say is uh, think of a web agency versus um a company that has a, a technical product like let's say instagram okay so an agency that's building websites for customers they do projects their work is done in um chunks that have very well defined beginnings and ends and once they finish with a project it's delivered it's out there and there may be a maintenance piece attached to it but the project is done a product is never done a product like Instagram is not done. It's not going to be done until the company falls. So or Elon me, <laughs> Right. <laughs> we had to sneak that in, didn't we? Um, all right. Yeah. And, or, until the company falls or it's bought by Elon Musk. Um, and, and so, and so it's, it's this distinction between uh, it's temporal. Like, it, it, is this thing going to be finished or is this an ongoing, ever-evolving, ever-improving product? 
And and I think that the like a product is definitely made of a series of little projects. We call them sprints or something else. But um, I think that when you talk about a project manager, I find them more often at either old school companies that think of their software as a thing that will eventually be done, um, or just pure agencies that, that, that do projects for customers that are very well very well defined, ideally. I mean, well, I that distinction helps me. Outside the context of an agency, I mean, this is this is an episode that we should have done ages ago, which is Kieran's rant about Agile that really needs to happen at some point. Um, or about how Agile is misappropriated and how it's actually a wonderful thing. And I'm getting the, the middle finger from across the room right now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, wow, that, that derailed me. Um, <laughs> no, but, okay, so my, 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 no, my, let my, him my leave. Then. Please let him leave. He didn't finish. <laughs> Go on, Kieran. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it comes down to how pre modern software development, whether that uses the A word or not, um, everything was, you know, you, you build a, a a functional spec and you, you write a 300 page document and you, you build all the requirements and you try and think about all the edge cases and then you give it to the developers and then they immediately find an edge case that you never thought about. Um, and ultimately, you know, that, that to, to me is project versus product, right? That's like, I feel like for the most part, we've evolved past, we as the tech industry have evolved past project management because project management comes from what would traditionally have been, you know, I'm building a, a, a skyscraper and I have no, like, I have to order all this stuff ahead of time. I have to like plan it all in advance. Whereas uh, we have the luxury when building tech products that we need to, you know, we, we have the luxury of, of having a very short feedback loop, a very short condensed feedback loop. Um, and the discipline that has come to yeah, be we, known we as can deliver 10% of the foundation and it's cool. Yeah, exactly. And the discipline that's come to be known as product is capitalizing on the fact that we have a short feedback loop and trying to make the most of that. Um, so like, for example, I mean, even today I was having a conversation with, uh, one of the, the, product owners in my organization who um, is, we have a closed beta for a particular feature going on. We have 150 customers using it and he's communicating with those every day and getting their feedback on it so that we can like start to work on a wider rollout. That's not the kind of thing that I want a developer to spend their time doing. Um, but it is a very like short closed feedback loop where he's able to talk directly to these 150 customers. So I think it's actually very interesting to say this, this project versus project kind of concept because i actually do think we still have a lot of projects in definitely the, the software engineering sphere and i think that's totally fine uh like a project to me is a database migration for example you have to upgrade a, a database to a new version that's a project like you need to test the unknowns you need you have a clear start and end uh, whereas that project can be part of a product or multiple products even so I, th I think this is something where there's also a difference. You might also have a project manager, for example, for hey, saying, okay, we're moving from system X, let's say Gmail to or Google Worksuite to Microsoft Office uh, 365. Like that's a project. 
Like it's not some. It's sure. something where there's a clear end, end goal. There's a clear start, and I think that's a project. And I think that is very important for people to to think about. The problem for me starts with product people, or let's say product uh, as a whole. Like I think a lot of people in product still think in projects, and I think they they start off by thinking in projects instead of thinking about okay, we're starting to build a product. So what is like my MVP, my minimum viable product? And that's not finished, right? Like I've I've now met multiple people in the industry who say, oh, I'm a senior product person or I'm a CPO or I'm a, another product person. And the thing which I see often is that they think like, oh, we have an MVP, now we're done. Like there's no maintenance, there's no continual improvement of that product, no ongoing conversations. Uh, and I mostly see this where you're dealing with uh, non-UI products, uh, which I often see as well, which I think is very, very interesting. So if you look I think at it's, an API, it's difficult for like often you, like what I often see is that these product people just bail out. Like they I think it's bail difficult. out after it's like MVP phase. I think it's difficult. For yeah, also, also I think right? it, it's the general problem with maintenance. It's not the first time we mentioned that, right? Maintenance gets neglected left and right. Not ju not just by let's say non-engineering groups also by engineering groups so i think the problem is there i agree but i think it's a kind of the separate thing that maintenance is not maintenance is not taken into account or like it's been forgotten about after some time i would even say the yeah, evolution of the product is often forgotten yeah, exactly. Maintenance and evolution, those things can be the same thing. As long as the product is being used and it's valuable, it, 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 its maintenance and its evolution should really be made by the same people and they should be, you know, just two intertwined efforts that happen together. Um, I guess that's something really interesting there, which was about how some product managers struggle to think about products that don't have a UI. I think that's a very interesting phenomenon, and I've definitely seen that as well. Um, I, but I think that's more of a matter of, of, of how uh, how they are trained, uh, how they learn about products. Uh, and, and I think that it's difficult to find good, technical-minded product uh, managers and product designers that can uh, think so abstractly as to think of an API, for instance, uh, the same way that you would think about Gmail or Instagram or WhatsApp. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, in general, these things are like, yeah. let's say, even harder to just like reason about, right? Like explain to someone unless you're, yeah. unless you're an engineer. It, it's, it they really are. is, as you say, I think it does require like some training and it's, Very it's not easy. Yeah. And I think for me, it's super clear that you can you can you, you can measure the performance and the usage of an API, and you can arrive at dashboards that look a lot like what a dashboard for a, a web app would look like. You got your daily active users. You got your you know number of the traffic that's oh, served. 100%. You got the actions that are performed, and they can be abstracted down to to, to be very similar. Um, but I think we're getting to a point where there is a rift between developers and the product people. 
right? Which I think goes toward the, the, the this, this us versus them mentality a little bit. Like when you have people who are in charge of products, but maybe don't really get those products, <laughs> uh, they, and they, 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 I think, I think it's more likely to see this sort of project mentality where it's like, we need an API, not because this is our product, but we need an API to integrate with something else. This is so, so, so common. Like we need the rebar right before yeah. we start pouring concrete. Oh, rebar is done. Cool. Absolutely. We have API backends ready. Now it's time for the juicy yeah. stuff, and which is exactly. And once this integration is done, that entire team switches to something else because that's a project that's finished. I think actually something you said is very, very interesting there, because I think this is one of the things which people forget. There is two sides of that product discussion, right? There is one part which is very clearly, hey, you need to understand the product which you're trying to build, or maybe not understand, but be able to learn and discover the product. Mm. But you I'll also go, need to be able to further. teach. To te okay. The, 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 the second word of the title is owner. You need to own it. It's yours. Like, if it fails, it's your failure. If it succeeds, it's your success. I wholeheartedly agree. Not, not to shift any responsibility from the engineering department. It's not responsibility, but, it's accountability. And I think we've covered oh, that. So I, that I, yeah, elsewhere. that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Not, not to also shift any of the accountability uh, still. As the owner, you do own it fully, top to bottom. I, so I, I, would, I, I'm, I think it's I'm actually going uh, further than Warner for once. I actually, I'm actually being more <laughs> aggressive. No, I'm actually, I'm actually disagreeing. I think product is like for me, somebody who's the product person in a, a team or maybe a product owner, maybe a product manager. Like, I think the point is to get your team involved with the product as well. So I do not believe in product owners who go off themselves and do product discovery alone. For me, that that already is a sign where you're not involving your team. You're not exactly, you're not teaching them enough about product and about this discovery process to become excited about it as well. Like, I, agree I, with I that. really dislike this this concept where I, I have an, a product person coming up to me like we're gonna do this for the next six for the next three years and I'm like yeah that's great but why um, and then it you get towards and I think this question of why is important I think for engineers and for product as well if you cannot teach why you need to do something if you cannot get your team involved in at least in part of the discovery and part of that figuring out what the problem is and why you want to build something like my I, I, favorite I don't excuse think from a product person is it's this concept oh the competi competition is doing it i hate that oh that's another like that's i've had empty. so many that's product never going to motivate anyone yeah yeah but but be before no, but there may be a very good reason for it right so warner i i think i also tend to agree with you as well and i don't think <clears throat> what kieran said actually and what you say these things are not mutually exclusive i think agreed they they do they they can and maybe should happen together and given what kieran said which is like full ownership of the product that i think should only empower empower you to even like do all these activities that you mentioned better and and also like give you the kind of you know some maybe some needed oomph that you would here's, then here's, transfer here's a way to, to look team. at it. 
here's the way to look at it. Like, what's the most effective software team that you can think of? For me, that's like three people in a garage that are hacking together their their, their startup. They are developers. They're trying to build a product that they fully understand because they know I'm customer, not they know sure the if they point. are effective. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> we've we've been there, this right? This is my opinion. This is my opinion. <laughs> you, you, hey, hey, you guys can have your own. Um, my opinion is you got a, a small group of developers who fully understand the domain. They fully understand the customer. They know exactly what they need to do. And they're just, their their communication bandwidth is super high. And their execution speed is also super high. They're fully committed to this thing. There's a lot of focus. There's a lot of uh, clarity on what the goals need to be. And uh, there's a lot of alignment. As you scale up, you need more developers. And you got people that have no idea about the domain. They're just good at code. Um, and you got more people to think about different areas of the product and different kinds of customers. And things start to get all this aligned. Unless you have people that are like, you know, conductors, like they're, they're in there and they're trying to get to the why, get to the who, get to the what, and communicate that in as, you know, clear way as possible. Like, that's where I think product people, uh, you know, POs in particular, product managers as well, uh, can come in really uh, useful and can make a huge difference. Like the best POs that I've seen, they talked to the customers, they talked to the developers, they talked to the designers, they went and talked to users, they talked to people who buy the things, not just people using things, but people, people who actually are signing the contracts and wiring the money. They're talking to C-levels, they're talking to interns, they're talking to random people on the internet who are just using our SDK or whatever. Um, point is, they really create communication channels that are as wide as possible, and then they get really good at synthesizing information and making and making it relevant for different people that are you know, involved in the process. And they listen; they listen a lot, crucially. And and those those POs that I that I, that, I, that I've known, um, they can really get the developers involved. The, the, those teams are tight. Uh, those teams look a lot like the ones that I described earlier, where the developers know the domain super well, they have opinions that are relevant, and their efforts are really going in a direction that may be wrong, but, but it's coherent. And they go and they do experiments, and they see if they succeed or fail, but they're all sort of going in the same direction. That's, that's magic. When that happens, it's magic. Um, I disagree but then you also have the beginning. Uh, but yeah. as you continued speaking, I, I agreed with you. And the reason I disagree with you is because <laughs> at the beginning, you said they understand the customer. And they don't. They don't need to. Because they are... Uh, uh, maybe they don't need they, to. Is, that's a good point. Kieran, that's a great point, man. That's a great point. Because like, uh, it's a big assumption. You understand the idea, but you may not actually understand the customer until you go and you try things. And, and, you talk and, and they do have bandwidth because they are not coding and supporting and maintaining and everything. Uh, I guess that eventually makes them much better at understanding the customer than a regular developer would ever get. I mean, not would ever, but would get most of the time, let's put it this way. Like, I think you, I, I've, I actually agree with Pedro. I think like you need this communication person who actually listens to all these and is able to communicate back and forth as well. I think it also is important that he links people together. So it's not like, okay, he's doing the only communication. It may be that sometimes he says, hey, developer, come, we're having an event storming session here. 
come join or maybe you can have one or hey we are just had this customer i just had this this chat please join the conversation i think that's also important to understand the problems that are being faced i think i i also agree with kieran here i do not think a product owner needs to understand the customer but he needs to be able to listen to the customer and, and try and see the issue he's having from the perspective of your company, of your product. And I think this is also important because I look at some of the issues I'm currently working with with one of the teams. And they're so hardcore focused on the solution that they thought out. And everywhere, every sign you see, you're like, no, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Why do I see that? Because I'm the uh, I'm an IT person behind there. Why do so it takes a lot of time to actually work with the customer and say, hey, instead of going to a solution Y, which will gain you five minutes, we can go to select uh, to option Z, which will actually automate the entire thing away. Sadly enough, you have to fire find jobs for these three other people, but that's fine. Like according to you, you have enough time for that. And I think this is also part of a product person. They need to be able to to find the right people to help solve that problem in the best way for the company. And if your company is a consulting company, it, the solution is always make sure they hire another consultant. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We, that's part of the problem. But yeah, it's another conversation. Can we flip direction slightly? Um, because I think we, yeah. we've, we, and especially that last uh, like monologue there, um, very much spoke about them. Right, and and we've talked about uh, product as being a them, and we, I, I am very aware that we have an inherent bias in this uh, in this round right now because we're all technical people, and we're talking about product people who are not here. Um, but you know, within even within a technical department, we have you know QA fighting these developers who always make bugs. Why do they always make bugs? And we have. Uh, you know, we have Maxime yelling at developers. He went for, there. For, yeah, no, of course. We have Maxime yelling at developers for not thinking about HPA properly or whatever. And uh, there's, this, there's this inherent, you know, if we're going to talk about our, our very easy problems, there's this, there's this inherent us versus themism that's like super common within an organization and ultimately right like we, we should all be pulling in the, in the same direction. We should all be working to make sure the company is a success. Um, so why is it the cross-functional teams? Okay, elaborate. I think it's. I think if you actually, as Peto said before as well, and I agree with it, and I've seen this as well, if you have a team and the team is working and enabled, like of course you will. Like realistically, you won't have a system engineer, an SRE, a QA, a five backenders, five frontenders two product people, etc., all in, in one team. Realistically seeing it doesn't scale. Uh, but you will get have, have to build a team, and it will need to be cross-functional. And cross-functional, I do not mean that you, they need to be all QA or backend, etc. But I think it's similar to the, dev, the concept of a DevOps culture. You can also do the same with QA. You have an engineer who you train to be a good QA. You have a product person po possibly in the team it's possible, but at least teach one of the engineers to do part of that product. Maybe not everything, but at least part of it. Make him your, your ambassador within the team. Similar to how you can have an ambassador for SRE or for DevOps or for any specific, uh, specific concept. 
And I think this actually solves a lot of this us versus them, because I think the us versus them comes exactly from this, this concept where uh, we have a product person who says, hey, this is what we're going to build. It, I think that kind of top-down approach may work in certain cultures very well. I can imagine somewhere it works very well. I think in other cultures it actually isn't working, and this is also causing this us versus them. I think this is the same with QA, and sorry, I'm going to hate myself now, but one of the things is what I've seen work lately is really this concept of like pair programming and mobbing. I'm definitely for pair programming. I was actually surprised that mobbing is starting to kind of work. Still not a fan. Um, but it is one of those things how you can create ambassadors for yourself within a team. Like you can create these ambassadors. And I think this is something which we often forget because as engineers, we like to live in our little bubble, preferably with our hoodie over our head and behind our screen so nobody can hear us with our giant headphones on. But sometimes it is actually really important as an engineer as well to go towards these product people, understand what they're working on, and also suggest other things. Like if you've ever done event storming or you've ever done uh, an event discovery or a product discovery together with somebody from product, you will automatically next time around start thinking that way and you might actually ask the right questions and be able to tell that to the rest of the engineers to avoid this kind of us versus them mentality i mean right. it's not going to be you easy and you like need to find the right now. set of people you've mentioned it like four times now for the listeners what is what is that session in 30 seconds event storming is a way to discover and understand uh, the business processes which you have and the workflows which you have within your organization or within a specific time period for example uh, if you have um, and the way you do this is actually by saying okay I have a set of events which happened so you take a group of people preferably a set of domain experts somebody from product or a, a facilitator uh, you have possibly some engineers and other people who know about the, the flows going on in the business processes in your organization and what you start off doing is basically taking post-its and you're writing down all the things that happen in over the entire time of the process you're looking at or over maybe even just your entire organization depending on how wide you want to go with your session and then you actually start looking at okay what are all the actors in there what are the people who actually cause these events to happen? What are the processes which are involved there? And then you actually can start telling a story because you group these based on the timeline, based on the different contexts or however you want to do. Um, and there you can really see, okay, this is how the flow works. These are all the different things that happen inside of the organization currently, for example. And I think this is one of those ways which you can actually get developers very much to understand like, hey, it's not just my little bubble. Definitely when you make those visible. Um, so it's a way of getting, uh, of understanding the, the current systems in place and also identifying hotspots. So if you see, for example, one set of a lot of manual actions in one place, uh, or a lot of people saying, oh, this really sucks, like with red post-its, for example, then you can actually identify those, pro those processes and you can start looking at possible solutions or, hey, maybe there's a product there which we either have to buy or have to build. This to me sounds a little bit like a common language between people that are thinking about the domain and the business and people that are thinking about technology because these events, I think, are where the two things intersect. Like, here are all the things that happen in our business. And, you know, some people look at it from a business perspective. Others look at it from a code perspective. But it's a common language. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with that? 
it enables a common language but again like common languages are always going to be different even between uh, different contexts but it will allow you again depending on how broad you take this this kind of session uh, and you will always like go either go broader if you don't have enough information about you figure out okay not everybody was there you can might go broader you might actually go deeper and say okay hey we take a piece of this event or of these events and we're actually going to grab other experts and only focus on that specific piece in the next session and that is one way of discovering what's currently going on. Again, it's not about new product. It can discover a new product within your organization, but it's a slightly different. But yes, it will encourage people to talk and it will even encourage people to talk between different departments. And you can find out very interesting solutions to problems when you suddenly have two people who are normally five events away from each other talking with each other and saying, hey, we can actually get rid of all these five. And you so do not write beauty. a single piece of code. That's, just, that's beautiful when it happens. Like for me, I want to pick up on something that that's been said and hinted, which is that some engineers don't care about anything that's not the code, and some really do. Some really do care about what the what the domain is and what the customers are doing and all these all these events and all these interactions. Like for, from my perspective, you know, I chose to go into management, and one of the key things that I always need to be aware of is everyone that I'm trying to support. I need to know at this point in their career, are they interested in more domain knowledge kind of things? Are they interested in the customers? Are they interested in the sales process? Are they interested in these things? Or are they more interested in, you know, what data structures, algorithms, like performance? Um, and, and, and these are all val uh, valuable, valuable and valid things to be focused on. And, um, it's, it's the, the challenge sometimes is to do what you're talking about, Warner, and bringing everyone, not just their presence, but their interest into these sessions, right? Because maybe somebody is in a team and they really need to build an API endpoint or whatever, but they don't really care what it's for. They care that it's fast. They care that it uses, you know, up the current standards. They care about compatibility, and and these are all good things. Um, and 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 knowing, kind of like you know, how how to frame the same thing differently to different people with different preferences and different roles, I think is where you know. Product good product owners can come in, and definitely like engineering managers. Uh, can come in and, 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 and good staff engineers like yourself can come in as well. Um, because I think it's, there's a matter of like, how do I translate this into the language that each one of these seven people in this team speaks? Because they all speak different languages and they're interested in different things. And when that's not done well, I think you can arrive at the us versus them mentality where you have a bunch of tech people, a bunch of product people talking about different things and not agreeing on anything, and sprint after sprint, failing to make any meaningful uh, improvements. So communication, right? Like, that's the answer. Easy. Yeah, it's one of those easy things to get right. <laughs> Very easy problem. I think, well, I think as well, like, you know, we're not looking at it from the outside as to, you know, what we do in tech. And I think from, from the point of view of somebody, let's say hypothetically in marketing, what we do is is... Frankly, overcomplicate. From their point of view, it's overcomplicating. Like, you know, they they want 
something something CRM, they want to be able to reach out to customers with push notifications or something. And we say, oh, well, you know, we need to build this service and then we need some like asynchronous communication. And because of that, we need to worry about scalability. And like from their point of view, they, again, they can't they but again, it's understand. also important as a product person and as an as an engineer interested in product to be able to explain those things, right? Like of you course, don't yeah. have to say, "Oh, I have to build this service." No, you can say, "Okay, we see that we want to push out this many messages. Okay, in order to push out this many messages, we need to use these external services or this internal service or this by this server. Okay, in order for that to scale, in order for you to deliver that within that time frame, we need to do X, Y, Z." Again, it comes down to language again. It's it's this communication part where as an engineer, sorry, you cannot go up to the CEO and say, yeah, you know what? I enabled my profiler and I saw that our memory leak is actually a problem, uh, which we cannot really solve at the moment. So we have to actually get this other service, which we need to build, or we need to build a new library. Like the guy's going to look at you like you're crazy. Oh, yeah, I think it's like say, hey, last time I was told to leave thingy, when I yeah. said something like that. Hmm? Last time I said something like that, I was told to leave <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. that wasn't that wasn't useful at all. Like, like it doesn't add to their conversation. And I think this is also where where the person in product is is really important. They can do that context switching, that that different communication styles with different people, and they are able to to handle that. Including, of course, like, again, there you will have, like, I don't know, know enough about product. Like, I've done event serving session, sessions. I've done work with product people. And for me, they're product people often because I feel that they're not looking at their customers often enough. They're not listening. And I think this is very important within product. Listen. And I think for any engineer as well, listen and try to explain your problems in a way that your audience understands. I think transparency is also important, right? It's just be, beyond just communication. You just being yeah, able to say, yeah. being, being able to say, like, one of the things that I've instated where I'm working now is uh, a fortnightly event in which tech can talk about the challenges that, that we're facing. And, you know, well, you know we're, we're trying to build this feature and, and this is where we're succeeding. We can celebrate that. And this is where we were struggling with it. And we can, we can be open about that with the rest of the organization. Uh, and, you know, stakeholders can come to that and, and see what the issue is there and, and understand, you know, celebrate our wins together and understand where we're struggling together. Um, and just... You know, we have this is this is an example of that transparency from tech to the rest of the organization to say, like, okay, you know, what we deal with is not just black magic. Like, we have all of these like issues that we have to overcome to be able to deliver the stuff that that you expect from us. Um, I am sure I am going to, you know, assume that everybody working within an organization is thoroughly competent and also has a lot of nuance to to what they're working on and uh, they also face a lot of issues from uh, from the outside it doesn't always necessarily look like that and so sometimes having that you know we're, we're saying Warner's saying in particular yeah, you know we started off this conversation an hour ago or whatever talking about oh what do what do product do well they do a lot they do a hell of a lot they're probably incredibly underappreciated for what they do. But we don't see that. And this is where the transparency can be crucial to be able to to, to say, okay, well, like, 
how do you spend your day? What do you do all day? This this would be really interesting for me to know, but I don't understand this. So I think yeah, we just think, need to come from this from this point totally. of view of like assuming competence and, and knowledge and and uh, expertise. Yeah, I think absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Sorry, I interrupted you, Martin. Yeah, I think I interrupted you. Uh, sorry, it's it's not like I think transparency, at least to me, sounds kind of a passive-ish thing to do. It's like, oh, let's just make sure it's available to everyone to see. I think in this case, mm, quite often you, acti- you actively need to like sort of sometimes even push this information on people and uh, to like give credit to other departments coming from engineering. I know that we in engineering uh, not always are as good as we should be at explaining all this black magic things, actively explaining and like translating this to people, sometimes maybe talking to them like to five-year-olds, uh, just because they don't understand our domain as much as we do, right? You kind of have to like translate your thing full of buzzwords into something that is like more tangible and People from other domains, I have to give them credit. They do a better job at that when explain when they explain things to us. Uh, so yeah, this I don't know what to call it. Is it active transparency? Is this communication? Is this what is it? I don't know. But it should actively happen, not just like oh yeah, it, it's there. Like here's our confluence page. You find everything you need over there. Yeah, that really doesn't. That's work. why events are great. Act- like here, actively have to do it. Yeah, but this is also where you can use a stand-up, right? Like one of the things when I was doing some 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 interim product things, like every morning I was like, "Hey guys, we already had this conversation with them. This is what came out." Like, of course, I'm going to boil down a two-hour conversation into like three sentences. But hey, if there were any questions, they would come up, right? And you were there, they would already know, like, hey, this is what we're actually looking into for the future. Like, this is kind of where where to expect things to go. And I think this is actually something which I saw a while back also in regards to roadmaps. Like, you have these people who built these really great roadmaps. It's like, okay, this is going to happen today. This is going to happen in three weeks. This is going to happen in six months. And they have the entire five years planned. Run straight line. And then you see the people where it's like, okay, we actually look at this, like, okay, we have this starting point and we have these options where we go towards more strategic. And then you have the people who say, okay, we have these next three things coming up and then we have no clue. I think those last two are what I prefer. I do not prefer these people who say, okay, A, B, C, D for the next five years. I think it's really important to communicate like, okay, we have a strategy behind this. You don't have to explain the entire strategy, but at least explain the pieces which are coming up next and why they're there. And if somebody asks you, okay, hey, why do we need to build feature Y? Let's say a file upload. Then you can either say, okay, well, because the competition has it, which is probably not the right reason. It's probably because, hey, we want to get a customer from that company and the only way we can get them is with this feature, which is maybe a very good reason. It's a very good financial reason and be actively communicating that as well like that is sometimes really important like just to make people aware yeah i want to just add something to that when you said that uh it's okay to not have a plan for you know after the next feature or two or whatever i agree that's totally fine but i think you need to have an idea of where you're going at the end right let's say you're building a self-driving car everyone in your team knows the goal is a car that drives itself 
you don't know the roadmap to get there. You're still discovering the problem as you go. You can say, well, my, our next step is image recognition needs to improve by 20% or whatever. Uh, we don't know after that. We'll see if that fixes our navigation in cobbled streets problem. Um, but, but, but even though you don't know what the fifth thing you're going to be working on, uh, is, you know, the, the end goal. And that, that's crucial. I think when you only have like a couple of specific things in front of you and then a complete void, that's the problem. That happens a lot, and that's the problem. So, uh, yeah, always having an, a notion of what your end goal is, I think, is super, super, super valuable. And it's where project mentality fails, I think, because you're always looking at the next two weeks or whatever, and so you're never thinking, how is this going to fit into a big picture? Is there a big picture? But that's coming back to the beginning of the conversation, which I, I think we wrapped up pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah, go on, Kieran. Just, you're right, we should wrap up. I know that's what you were going to say. But just to give a more practical example here before we do, um, you know, something we're working on at the moment is we have a particular feature I, I mentioned before in closed beta. We have nine or ten different features that we know we want to add to this. We know that what we have right now is not like complete, and we have, but we're we're using the feedback that we get from that to inform what we build next to say, okay, which of these do we prioritize? Which of these do we maybe not do? What have we not thought of that maybe customers actually want? And that's, that's really for me, the distinction between product and project is that like now we're treating it as customer first where we're saying, okay, what, what, what are the customers looking at? What are the, uh, what do they want from it? And how can we, deliver value to them in in a more efficient faster a better manner to to make it to make you know to make what we're building better for them and that conversation is what's missing from a project workflow totally absolutely so take anyway, away... does someone want to say the italian thing <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before there we do, is. I'm just going to say something. I'm just going to say something before we, we wrap up, which is developers, be kind to your POs and try to learn what they're doing every day. And POs communicate not just what you need your developers to do, but also why and what your challenges are. I think that this, Kieran, I think you hit the nail on the head back there. This communication, this understanding of what it go, what goes into your work is missing a lot of the time. And, you know, if if the people on the hashtag other side um, don't care, tell them, inform them in a way that's, you know, interesting, engaging, have an event, describe your day, you know, something something like that. But I think that, I, th I think that if I, had, if, I, if I could boil down this episode to one thing, I would say developers be kinder to your POs and uh, ask them what their work is like. And other stakeholders, just whatever yeah whatever stakeholder yeah, means definitely. in your organization especially sales talk to sales everyone should talk to sales spoken like a two true technical salesman <laughs> yeah right. anyway, something, 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 you can deliver you can find us on twitter something something whatever one has said before and leave a review we still don't know how and something something critical yeah that we uh, missed it a lot yeah so thank you for listening to the Critical Channel. Today, we had a lot of fun talking about communication.
Have a good evening. See ya. Oh, he's left. Bye. I guess that's it. Ciao.